Right, Mississippi. All right. What joy for the nations whose excuse me, what joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people he has chosen as his inheritance. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From his throne he observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do. The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory. For all its strength, it cannot save you. But the Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. And let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for you. God, thank you so much for this country. Thank you for allowing this country to even exist. Because of you, we are here. Because of you, your son, God, we built this country based on Christian morals. We praise you for giving us that direction and guidance. God, thank you for our forefathers. Thank you for the men that fought for this country. Thank you for the men and women that are continuing to fight for this country. God, thank you for the freedom that you have given us. God, I just ask that from here forward, and this is something that I know you want me to talk about today, that we get back on path to what our forefathers created. God, just give us the right direction to get us on that path, not only as a country, but as a church. God, in this moment, I ask that you anoint me, Father, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. God, I just ask that you take all pride, jealousy, anger, distraction. God, anything that's distracting me, Father, I ask that you cast it away and you replace it with nothing but your love, your breath. And God, I need your boldness. I claim these things in your name. Help us to love, help us to laugh, help us to forgive. Amen. All right. Today's sermon title is, It's Not Political, It Is Biblical. Now, I preached a sermon before that was titled the exact same thing. This is not the same sermon, I promise. Don was up here for that one, so that one will probably be better than this one. But I don't want to hear that when it's over. Y'all give me some encouragement and tell me I did a good job, okay? Two countries and two alone were founded on the sole purpose of God and his foundation. The first was called Israel. The second, the United States of America. The United States of America was established as the Israel of the New World. The bright city on the hill that all nations would learn about. But just as Israel did in the Bible, the United States of America is falling away from its founding core Christian principles. In 1980, we drove God out of our public squares and our courthouses by banning the display of the Ten Commandments. In 1962, we drove God out of our schools by banning prayer. We have driven God out of our culture. And we spoke about this last week. We have now sacrificed over 60 million of our own unborn children. We also have pushed further and further away from our alliance with Israel, which is God's chosen people. 
The Bible tells us to bless his people, and in turn, he will bless those that do so. I want to go to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. First is 1 and 2. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. I want you to catch, it says, all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Not just the Israelites. All the families. All nations. Right off the bat, God gave Abram this blessing. And right off the bat, he promises him that anybody that messes with you, I'll take care of. Anybody that's not with you, I'll take care of. You are my chosen people. I think we all can agree with that, right? Okay, let's move on. The United States of America, since its existence, has been on the side of Israel more than any other nation. But however, just a few years ago in 2016, the United States of America, under President Obama, stood in front of the United Nations and proclaimed that Jerusalem did not belong to Israel but to the Palestinians instead. Now, I'm not a smart man. I'm not a biblical scholar. But I, I think it's pretty clear to me through God's word that of all of the capitals of all the nations, of all of those, Jerusalem definitely belongs to Israel. He makes that pretty clear in his word, right? And one thing that I need, to, I need everybody to understand is that decision does not belong to Barack Obama. That, that decision does not belong to any president that we've ever had. That decision does not belong to the United Nations. That decision belongs to God Almighty himself. I want to go to Zechariah 12.3. This is a prophetic word given by God at this point in time. It says, on that day, he's talking about the end times, on that day I will make Jerusalem an immovable, immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try and move it, but they will only hurt themselves. So you ask, why did our president at that time go against Israel when it clearly states right here in the Bible that those nations that come against it will be hurt? Plain and simple, guys, we've had some presidents that don't take this book serious. I need y'all to understand something before I go any further. And a lot of y'all know this because I have preached on politics one time. One time I've preached on politics. I don't like politics. I think it's extremely corrupt. Let me rephrase that. I don't like politicians. I believe they're extremely corrupt. The word polit the, the politics side of actually is a good thing if done properly. But the politicians themselves, the problem is, is that we have too many politicians that have been put in place 
then instead of reading this book, they're trying to read different laws to figure out how to get around rules and regulations to do things the way they want to do them. I know y'all have heard this before, but I want you to really think about this. I want you to think about those men that crossed the Potomac River, frozen. I want you to all of these men and women that have given their lives for this country based on the Christian morals that we were built with. I want you to think about Thomas Jefferson, George Washington. I want you to think about these men. Benjamin Franklin. And I know some of these men are naming in your life, but Micah, that one was a womanizer, and that one cheated on his wife, and that one did this. Well, guess what? we got a lot of sinners sitting in here right now, right? The thing is, guys, these men, regardless of those sins, the one thing that they knew they needed to do was to establish a country where they could have freedom. And not only that they could have freedom, but they could put God at the top of the country. How would they feel today? I truly want you, I know you hear it all the time, but I really want you to soak this in, guys. Think about those men. How would they feel today? Those same men, I promise you, I want you to think about this. Those same men, if George Washington could come back to life and ran for president in four years, Joe Biden would beat him. I want you to think about it. Those men would never win today. Never. Everything has changed. The morals have changed. George Washington himself, I can tell you right now, I know why he wouldn't get elected president, because right off the bat he told us that the worst thing we could ever do is have two separate parties. He was focused on being one. One unit. A team. Neither party would want him. That's sad. That's the founder of our country. That's the first president we had. Not only that, was a great man that could have stayed in office for years and years and years until the day he died, but he immediately said, that's not good for the country. We've got to be humble. Eight years, that's it. That's the max. You've got to get out. You've got to let somebody else step up. Guys, these are our founding fathers who fought for everything that we have today. But the problem is, is everything that they fought that they believed in has been thrown out the door. Christian warriors think about this. The powers of hell have tried to destroy God's people in Israel many times. Pharaohs of Egypt tried to destroy them. The emperors of Syria tried to obliviate them. The armies of Babylon tried to crush them. The legions of Rome tried to wipe them off the face of the earth. The Nazis and Hitler tried to exterminate them. The Soviet Union tried to erase them, and the terrorists to this day still vow that they will make them perish. But guess what? We stand here in 2021, and the pharaohs of Egypt are gone. The Syrians have perished. Babylon has fallen. The Romans have crumbled. The Nazis are gone. The Soviet Union is gone, and the terrorists are falling like flies and hiding in caves. But the nation of Israel still stands. Almighty God is in control. Not only is he in control, I need you to understand this, his chosen people 
In the Old Testament, that's Israel, right? When Jesus died on that cross, his chosen people are all of us. It's his children. God is in control because he lives through us. The only way that things change is if we change. We have to allow God to work through us to create change. Some of you aren't going to like what I'm fixing to say, but I truly believe that there's a lot of Christians out there, a lot of them whose faces are on TV and all over the Internet, a lot of them that you look at and you think are mighty and powerful, they're cowards. I'm just going to be honest with you, they are. There are many of them that will stand up there and preach an amazing word, get you fired up and excited, but they're not talking about the things that really make a difference right now in the world that we live in. They're too scared to do it. They're scared that they're going to step on some toes. Well, the thing is, they shouldn't be scared of that because if it's them preaching, they're going to step on toes. If it's God preaching, he's going to stomp on some hearts. I'm not going to apologize for the things that I have to say because God's making me say them. I'll never do that. I think y'all know me well enough to know that by now. Too many pastors are scared. And it's a shame. They don't believe what they preach. I want to go back to Zechariah 12, 3 and Psalms 33, 12. I know we've both, we've already read these two verses, but I'm going to put them up here on the screen. Zechariah, on that day I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. I love that word, immovable. It's not, you can't move it, okay? In other words, here's what it is, okay? I'll never forget one time, me and my father-in-law, who's sitting right back here, i never forget my mother-in-law wanted these rocks put into her flower beds. And, and, and so, so they wanted me to come help them move these rocks in the flower beds, okay? Well, I never knew this, but rocks have names, okay? It's like, it's like, so like this is an immovable rock, okay? There was this one rock. It was called a three-man rock. That means three grown men, if they are 25 and can bench press 400 pounds, can move this rock, okay? <laughs> but me and my father-in-law move these rocks. Now, I mean, we did. We move these rocks. Now, what I did not tell anybody is the next day I could barely walk, okay? Didn't want to, is my mother-in-law back here? It's all your fault, Deb. Couldn't walk. Oh, she's watching the kids. Okay, good thing, because I, I just singled her out, and I'm going to get in trouble for that. Mark, don't let her play this back. Don't, thank you. Immovable rock. Jerusalem, an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it. But they will only hurt themselves like I hurt my back. You can't move that rock by yourself. That's a three-man rock. I thought I, I was like, I'm tough. I can handle this, you know. And I threw my dang back out, you know. Psalms 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Okay. So you put those two verses together. Together they state if you go against God, you'll be hurt. But if you stand with God, you'll be blessed, right? Like that's what these two scriptures are saying. It's pretty simple, right? Okay. So basically, you're either on one side or the other. You're either with God or you're against God. This is what I'm talking about with some of our Christian leaders, there, there's no in-between. There's no in-between. You're either walking with God or you're walking alone. I refuse to walk alone. 
Christian warriors, we as a country have fallen away from God. I am honestly extremely concerned for the future of our nation. So the question is, what can we do? The answer is simple. It's unity. We have to unite. We must unite. But not as a country. I'm going to repeat myself. Not as a country. I have lost faith in our system. I don't believe our country has any idea how to unify. It takes a catastrophic event for our leaders and the people of our nation to unify. September 11th, 2001. That's the last time I can remember the entire nation coming together. That's the last time that I can remember on the news, CNN, Fox, wherever else you want it, I don't care. It's the last time I remember on every news station you could see people praying. You could see men and women on their knees together praying. Isn't it sad that it takes thousands of people to get murdered for us to stand in unity? Before that, it was World War II. To get a group of people to unite, it takes major amount of people to get hurt or injured for that to occur. That should not be the way it is. It's a shame. We as a country are more divided now more than ever. There are more Republicans versus Democrats than ever, more black versus white than ever, more rich versus poor as ever. This is more than we've ever seen in our history, guys. I want you to look and see what Jesus says about division in Mark 3.25. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. I want you all to notice something. It doesn't say that that house might not stand. It says it cannot stand. Jesus, we can probably all agree with this, is probably the smartest man to ever walk the earth, right? Another very smart man. Y'all might know this same quote. From Abraham Lincoln, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Do y'all miss the days when we had presidents that would quote scripture? Yeah, sure do. I have realized it's not our country that needs to unite, though, guys. It's something else that has to unite before our country can. I'm going to explain that. In Luke, chapter, in Luke chapter 2, Jesus is a young boy, and, and he, Mary and Joseph, uh, they were looking for him. They couldn't find him. They finally find him in the temple. And that's where I want to go. I want to go to Luke 2.49. This is once they found Jesus, and Jesus looks at them and says, But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Some of y'all are like, where is he going with this? Just remember that last word, house, okay? 
In John chapter 2, Jesus walks into the temple, walks into, his, walks into the church, and there's people that are in there that are gambling, selling things, making money, profiting through the church. And then John chapter 2, verse 16, Jesus says, Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Two times. Two times he's talking about his house, which in both instances is the church, right? Both instances. I want to go back to Mark chapter 3, verse 25. And if a house is divided against itself, it cannot stand. If a church is divided against itself, it cannot stand. He's not talking about your house. He's talking about his house. And the problem is, is his house has been divided. And the only way we're ever going to get this country back on track is if we get the dadgum church back on track. And I am tired. I am absolutely tired of hearing churches come against each other, fight with each other. Not only that, I'm tired of watching people inside the church fighting with each other amongst themselves. How in the world can we make a difference in this nation when we can't get it fixed inside the four walls of a A lot of people blame what's going on in our country on a lot of other people. It may be the conservative, it may be the liberals, it may be the black, it may be the white. A lot of people are going to blame it on different races, different politicians, different parties. It's what I hear a lot. You know whose fault it is? It's our fault. It's the church's fault. Let me explain. When two or more are gathered, God is here. Anything is possible. Shame on us because we have millions upon millions upon millions of people that are in church. And we can't unite. All we need is two. It's time for revival. It's time for all Christians, Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ, Assembly of God, Presbyterian, non-denominational. It's time for all races, black, white, orange, green, and freaking polka dot. I don't care. It's time for all Christians, all Christians, to unite, to come together, and to start revival. That's what we're missing. When's the last time? You know, I remember as a kid growing up, I mean, our church would have revival three times a year. You know? When's the last time y'all can remember going to an actual revival? We're getting it wrong, church. Eight years ago, God told me to start a movement. He told me to start Christian Warriors. I need you to understand, he didn't ask me to start a ministry or even a church. 
He asked me to start a movement. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. And I'll say it for a lot. I'll say this so many times to you guys. Okay, I'm going to start again. Christian Warriors is not a ministry. It is not a church. It is a movement. God's movement never stops. It's our job to continue it. If it starts to slow down a little bit, it's the church's fault. It's not the country's fault. It's the church's fault. Who started this country? God. He is in full control. So to sit here and tell me, and I need you all to grasp this, to sit here and tell me that we have people that are in office that are running this thing, I beg to differ. God is in control. If they're running it, it's because the church is allowing it. We have more power as the church than any political party. Any. The church has more power than the President of the United States. The church has more power than the House and the Senate. In the state of Texas, the church has more power than the Texas Rangers. That's hard to do. They got a lot of power. We're not using the power, guys. We've gotten comfortable. We've gotten complacent. And we're not fighting for what we truly believe in. We think we are. Well, I pray every day, Micah. You know, I pray about church. I come to church. I talk to my kids about it. I'm challenging you guys that every day when you wake up, when you drop to your knees and you're talking to your father, ask him, what do you need me today to do, God, not only to build your kingdom, but to get this country back on track? Start praying that prayer. Watch what happens. He'll open the door for you. We need to get churches together and become the United Church, which will have a lot more power than the United States. We've got to get multiple churches together. This is a vision that God gave me years ago when it started just as that ministry. That movement, again, has not stopped, and the only reason it slowed down is because Micah hasn't capitalized on this vision that was given to him by God. I don't mind admitting that. Have I done everything I can to help this country? No, I haven't. And I apologize for that. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do from here forward. For the next three months, I'm going to reach out to multiple pastors, multiple churches. Some of them I know, some of them I don't know. God's already told me some of them I need to talk to. I'm sure he'll give me more. We're going to try and start working together. We do that with a couple churches right now. But we've been in existence a year and a half, and we're only doing that with a couple churches, guys. Somebody has to start it, and it needs to be us. The word warrior is in the title of our church. 
warriors are not cowards. Warriors are not quiet. Warriors do not just sit back and just hope that everything works out okay. The difference between a warrior and then just everyday Christian is we step up and we go above and beyond. It's time to do that. I need y'all's help. This is not something ever that one man can ever do. And I know that I realize that this is a small church in size, maybe in numbers, maybe in finances. But again, y'all heard me earlier, two or more are gathered, that's all it takes. We may be small in all those areas, but I'll tell you one place we're not small in, and that's the Spirit. This church is led by the Holy Spirit. Every time I walk through those doors, I feel it. I was talking to Bryce earlier, and that's what we were talking about just a second ago, and she was saying, it just feels different in here today. I have felt his presence since I walked through that door and nobody else was in here. I feel it every Sunday. I can honestly say this, and I know you're like, well, that's just because you go here and you're the pastor here. I've never been at a church in my entire life where I have felt the Spirit more than I have felt it here. Amen. Guys, this small church, there's a reason for that. This is not something that is just going to pass in the wind. This church is being built for generations. I want to be a part of that. And I pray that y'all do too. So what I need you guys to do is I need y'all to reach out to other brothers and sisters that you know from other churches. You may know the pastor at another church. Reach out to him. If not, You've got some brothers and sisters that go to another church. Listen, we are in the Bible Belt, right? I mean, good gosh, everybody goes to church, okay? At some point in time, they're going to church. Talk to these people and tell them, we want to work together. We want multiple churches to come together. And we'll make it as comfortable to them as possible. See, a lot of churches don't like to do that because their pride gets in the way and it wasn't their idea. And Well, they want things done this way. You know what? If that's the case, come on with it. We'll, we'll get along with that. And you're like, Michael, why? But what if it's pride? God's a lot bigger than any pride. If we can just get it started, he'll take over. I have 100% faith in that. I've seen it many times, and myself included. He's a lot bigger than my pride. I need your help, guys. Talk to these people. Let's get them to join us. And here's the thing. It's not a Christian warrior thing. It's a united church thing. And notice I didn't say United Churches. I said United Church. Because that's what it is. There's only one church. Amen? Amen. We as churches have got to come together now as a team. Or we'll fall as individuals. That will happen, by the way, to some churches. But I refuse for that to happen here. Grab your pen and paper. Got something for y'all to write down. Did you time me? I did pretty good. July 4th, you know, I knew like everybody was ready to get out of here. You know, so I told Bo, I was like, time me today. Let's see how this goes. Go ahead, Nick. It is impossible 
to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible, George Washington. Oh, I wish that man was alive today. That's okay. There's only one George Washington, right? Only one. Only one man. Only one man that truly started this nation, set the tone for this nation. And that's what he said, right? Do y'all see what happens when you're on the side of God? Great things happen. And don't think, yeah, but that was George Washington. Listen, George Washington was just a little old peon at some point in time in his life too. Just like the rest of us sitting in this room. Don't think God can't use you in a mighty way. You've got to have that mindset. Especially if you're going to be at this church.